Hey you, you're listening to Sloancast, the one-stop shop deep dive where we discuss anything and everything about the greatest band of all time. Chris Murphy, Patrick Penlin, Andrew Scott, and Jay Ferguson, collectively known as Sloan. We are your fellow superfan hosts. I'm Rob. This is Ken. Ken, what's new, man? Hey, Rob. First of all, uh, Merry <laughs> Christmas, seasons, greetings, and happy holidays. Yes. It's been it's Absolutely. been a while since we've uh, since we've done one of these. I feel as though the last several months have been wrought with just about everything imaginable that the life of uh, being being a, a young father could possibly throw at the young father. So it's good to be back on the Sloancast bandwagon, as it were. And uh, some Absolutely. stuff has happened since we last talked. I think our last episode was the the great Jay Ferguson um, interview that we had. But since that point in time, oh, such the, a good one. Yeah, man. the 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 band has been touring steady. Those songs sound yep. amazing live. You had the good yes. fortune of being able to work at a couple of those shows. Why don't Why don't you tell us how how that was? <laughs> yeah, the, the news is that I'm in the band. Um, <laughs> not really, but yeah, as I'm sure most of you listening saw on social media. And yes, I'm just going to address it quickly here. Uh, I was asked a little over a month ago to join them on those Ontario dates, uh, and if I recall, it was uh, London, Waterloo. Uh, what was next? Sorry, Hamilton. Let me think if I got them in order. Hamilton, who cares? Waterloo, London, and then uh, uh, Oshawa. That was it. Uh, Oshawa. That would have been cool if it was Milton in my dreams. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so I went off and did the merch for those shows, and uh, they've you know, thankfully asked me in the past to do it and always happy to help out. And so, yeah, it was really cool to see the new steady merch and to obviously see everybody at the shows and our buddy, uh, our staff member, Will Thiessen was there with some Sloan cast magnets and uh, we saw blue suit Ron and a uh, ton of tons of the listeners. And, and thank you again to everybody who came and, you know, said hello and mentioned the podcast and obviously was wondering where the hell Ken was uh, a few hundred miles away. Sorry, guys. But uh, anyway, yeah, so it was awesome doing that. And, and and to be completely honest, you never, we were in Waterloo, I think, on the second night, which is interestingly like literally a stone's throw from where I had first seen the band in 1996 at the UW at Fed Hall there, uh, as we mentioned on Jay's show. It's been like some years since I saw them the first time. I'm literally across the street working for this band, my favorite band. And, uh, you know, my dad was at the show, just a lot of cool stars aligned and stuff. And in, in full disclosure, I've been on the stage with the band twice before. Mm. Uh, both were like tambourine backup, <laughs> you know, uh, duties. I think 2005, I got up for Underwhelmed and played tambourine. 2009 or so, they did a Murder Records um, anniversary party in Toronto at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. I want to say Will Curry and Pony to Look both played. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then Sloan kind of got up and did like a bit of a greatest hit set. This is when Patrick was like the first time I'd seen him with like a pretty hefty beard. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, super long, but it was like pretty hefty. And I was like, Whoa, wow, look at that. But uh, towards the end of the night, uh, you know, Murph knows I play. And I think he said something to me, like if, if, if we were to bring you up, like, what do you know? And, uh, you know, obviously I don't want to sound cocky, but I'm just like, well, you know, any, I, I, I know them all, like I can play any song. <laughs> so I think he was like, do you want to do, she says she means. And I was like, of course. Oh my God. Like, fuck. So I'm, of course I've been, you know, cocky, but now I'm sitting through the show thinking, you know, how does it go? And I'm kind of singing the song myself, make sure I've got all the parts in my head. Right. And I think at the end of the night, Andrew just decided to play it and they kind of just went with him. And I was like, eh, you know, whatever, like that would have been cool. But obviously 
that's the band. It's not, the band isn't me. You know, everybody right. has a fantasy about being in their, in their favorite band, you know, whatever it is. Um, but truly at the end of the day, that band is not that band if you're in it. Right. <laughs> so uh, it, it loses some of that, uh, you know, special sauce. But uh, anyway, so blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and, if, and to be completely honest, I, I've seen them a ton of times since. You never think about this kind of thing. I, I never felt as though it was owed to me or anything like that at all. Hmm. But of course, on this show, we've joked about, you know, Andrew having an extended smoke break or, you know, I should, I would never want anything to befall him. You know, <laughs> Breaking a few ribs or something. But should something happen, you know, and they do that move. And I think I was even joking about this with Murph at some point. Uh, he was going to see a, a concert and I said, you know, oh, the bass player is going to have some trouble and then who knows all the songs and he's there to do it anyway mm. and, and do some super kicks and stuff. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> they go off. This is in Waterloo, the second night of the tour, and they go off stage, they come back and I'm kind of half paying attention to what's going on stage and I'm kind of half like helping people at the merch table and right doing your uh, job apparently yeah apparently murph said below his vo- uh, below just sort of a, a little quieter he, can, he kind of just sort of really quickly said into the mic like this is just fake so don't really be upset and then he got into this whole speech about how andrew wasn't feeling well and da 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 and i'm like i'm it kind of, I'm, I'm frozen for a second when i hear this and i'm just like is this happening like are you fucking kidding me like are they really gonna do this andrew's on stage holding his ribs you know visibly injured <laughs> and as murph is saying this i see greg and jay kind of like looking at me out of the corner of their eye and they're like smiling they're seeing me losing it and murph is addressing the room like does anybody in here know how to play the drums and i'm just like i i have no idea what's going on like the, the, it's it's hard to i don't know it's it's a weird thing to kind of explain uh especially if you're not like a massive fan, like I am or whatever, and this is not like your total dream, mm. but I'm like, I'm, I realize what's happening, but I also can't believe it's happening and I'm shitting myself. And I'm kind of like, still kind of like thinking like, fuck, like maybe he doesn't mean me. I don't know. So I start waving my arms around. I'm like, fuck, are you kidding me? I will absolutely do this. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, and there's people in the audience, like I'll fucking do it. There's other people totally available. <laughs> But Murph is, of course, he's playing right along. He's, you know, he's going right along with things. He's helping me live my dream here. And he's like, hey, Robbie, but you're at that merch table. Get up here. And there's video on YouTube at our at our uh, channel if you want to check out the whole thing. But, um, And that was cool, too, because I had so many. I'm from Waterloo originally, so I had a number of people in the audience, you know, who I've worked with over the years or who I went to mm-hmm. high school with and hadn't seen in, like, forever. And they were all shooting it. Um, and my buddy Greg Patterson was there, who I haven't seen in forever, from Elvis Punksley, who's incredible. That's a mm-hmm. local punk band for anybody in the Waterloo area who should check out. But anyway, he was there yelling for Jenny, I think, the whole show. I felt so bad. Uh, I think he was having a few and yelling for the, for Jenny, because like, the punk covers album is like, right. his favorite shit. But anyway, and why shouldn't it be? But anyway, I'm going on and on here. Anyway, so they invite me up, and I literally I floated on a fucking cloud to the stage. And I met Andrew at the drums. I knelt before him, like fucking, mm. I don't know, Sir Lancelot or whatever. And uh, <laughs> he, you know, he's like, pat me on the shoulder, go get him, whatever. Mm. And uh, I, and I'm like, I, my fucking stomach is in my feet. I'm shitting my pants. Like I, this is everything I've ever wanted to do, and I'm like trying not to basically try not to throw up. And I'm breathing heavy. You see me in the video. I'm just like totally blown up. And Greg kind of shut up. Uh, 
you know, uh, waves me over to give him a hug. And it, it occurs to me, I don't even know what we're doing. So I quickly say, like, what are we doing? He's like, underwhelmed. And I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, the only thing I can think of is, can I, I got to get that off the top, like mm. the, the, the main, you know, fill into the yeah. song. Like, am I going to be able to hit that? Here we go. And so, I don't know. I just started, I sat down and I started thinking like, okay, they have that whole uh, speaking in front of crowds thing, not the picture of everybody naked, but act as if this is normal. Right. right. So act as right. if playing with your favorite band of all time and not, you know, this is a normal thing. So I'm sitting down and I just pretend, okay, this is normal. So I started doing the thing from school of rock where the kid on keyboards plays with one finger and starts pointing at the audience with his other. I started doing right. that. I was just <laughs> doing like nervous shit to kind of like distract from the fact that, I'm sitting behind Jay, Chris, Patrick, and to the right of Greg, and we're about to play fucking Underwhelmed together. Ah, and I'm just losing my mind. I can't believe it. And I'm hoping, and I'm also, I was also being a bit of a dink. I was kind of pretending that I didn't know what I was doing at first. Like, what does this one, oh, that's a hi-hat. What does this sound like? <laughs> to kind of have fun with the front row that they're like, oh, what's this guy going to fucking do? And then I'd like, you know, kill it or whatever. But anyway. Uh, so we slam into the song, and you can go see the video on YouTube. It was lots of fun. Holy shit. Like, Jay and Greg smiling at me the whole time. Murph, obviously, making an effort to come over and, like, play with me and jam with me. He, like, grabs my, the cymbal at one point to kind of mute me for a sec. <laughs> um, <laughs> so much fun. And at the end of the song, oh, yeah, instead of, uh, hey, mister, he says, hey, butcher. They, they, you know, there's a point in the song where the breakdown, they're like, put your hands in the air for Robbie. Just, like this guy your your dude's dream is just like coming true here hmm. and i gotta be honest you know like a, in a number of years ago i was married the next year after that we had a, my, my son and now i've played with sloan and i said this to a couple people that night i was just like i'm done i have no more goals you know obviously i want sloan cast to be great right. but um in terms of like big life goals like yeah, dude like i've i've now done it i've done them all and so Oh, incredible. And honestly, I, I will say like I finished up and I got off stage and I came back to the merch table and there was interestingly enough, a bit of a line up there. <laughs> so I had to like, I'm sweating buckets and I'm heaving. Do your real I job. Played drum- <laughs> yeah. I haven't played drums for real in like two years. Yeah. And so I'm like heaving and like, Oh, what album did you want? Ugh, you know, try to count out people's change and stuff. I mean, it's not uh, the I, easiest. I, it's not the easiest song to just dive into either. Right. Without any warm up. Sure. And I was trying to make it physical and fun. And I was definitely trying to like get my Keith Moon on or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And so have, having fun in that regard. And then, and I will be honest, like I got emotional after, like, I swear to God, like I felt it coming the whole night. I was just like this welling up in my throat of like this, I don't know. It's like, it's, there's emotion inside me and it needs to get out. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, uh, the whole night I just kept felt it coming and coming. And I, I saw, I, you know, said bye to the guys after, and they were all so nice to me. Like, mm. Oh my God, of course. Like, you know, we would obviously assume nothing less, but they were such gentlemen and so incredible. Uh, and that's, again, the thing I, we, we keep talking on this podcast about is these guys are not only the greatest band, but they're just really great people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Chris could kind of tell that I was feeling emotional or whatever, and he gave me a big hug. Uh, and I got in my car, and I, like, I broke down a little bit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I was just like, you know, ugh, like, that was so crazy, you know? Like, uh, anyway, and it was just, you know... <sighs> whatever i was gonna downplay it there and say like oh it was just a show in waterloo whatever but honestly that was that meant the world to me yeah and um so yeah i don't even know what to say other than you know uh, there were a couple more times i think in uh oshawa a couple nights later 
um, the the merch table was like kind of on the same level as the stage, hmm. so the band could see over the audience right to the merch table at the back because like the back bar area is like raised up, and so they could probably see me filming. I was filming for Sloancast Instagram Live. Hope hopefully anybody got to watch that. If you did, if hope you enjoyed yeah. it. Hopefully it wasn't too shaky. I had to like help people in between songs, but uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. If you did. And um, and thanks to Will for filming some of that stuff, which was awesome at a couple of the shows there. And uh, yeah, so and there was a point where they were doing, I want to say, sensory deprivation or People of the Sky. I want to, it was definitely People of the Sky at uh, Oshawa. And Chris could see me at the back, just rocking and loving it. And he started, I think, going extra. Like he's already going extra at the end of that song for anybody who's seen them live, you know. Mm. But he just was really pouring it on, and like he could see that I was like, getting into it. So I put my fist up in the air, like "fuck yeah," you know. <laughs> and that kind of got him to go even harder. And he like finished the song, and he stood up and he pointed at me, and it was just like I don't know, like an incredible, like just man, life is too crazy. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so insane. It was so much fun, and and again getting to see and some getting to see and talk to so many people at the shows, whether they were Sloancast listeners or not, or not, you know, getting to hear people's fan stories. There was a guy there at the Oshawa show who had a Navy blues a record from, you know, late nineties. Right. And he'd been trying to get it signed for like whatever, 20 years, 28 years by yeah. everybody. And he, and then that night he had every signature except Andrews. Right. And he's like, how do I get this? And I said, well, to be honest, the inside scoop is that after the set, he's probably going to be outside smoking, you know? <laughs> and, and, and right after the first set, cause obviously the guys do two sets after the first set, he came back to me. He's like, dude, your tip totally paid off. Check it out. And I think we even posted to the uh, Slumcast Instagram, that That's guy's right. incredible yeah. full autograph, Navy blues, uh, a thing of beauty. Um, but uh, yeah. It was amazing. That that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I'm sure I'll think of other funny anecdotes or whatever. And um, but uh, yeah, incredible. Living a dream, man. And it's insane, like to have this podcast and you know go from being just like a super fan to being on stage with them. It's something that you know I yeah. don't want to address it lightly. But people at this point are probably thinking, okay, get on with the episode. So I will do that. I will say at the Waterloo show, uh, my buddy Alan was introducing me to somebody who he thought I didn't know. It was our guest uh, on this episode, right. uh, author Greg Rido. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, we had recorded this. Full disclosure: we recorded this interview so a little bit, a, a little bit ago. Yeah, like half and, a year ago. Uh, sir- <laughs> half a year not not quite that long ago but um and thank you to greg we've kind of had him on the back burner for a little bit but i ran into him at the waterloo show and we both kind of did a double take at each other like do i know you do i know you and then you know hey because we hadn't actually met each other in person before, yes so uh what a gentleman as well a wonderful guy and uh, it was a pleasure to meet him and we're going to be speaking to him uh in this episode today about his book that uh, to me you seem giant obviously mm-hmm. that is a uh uh familiar lyrics to anybody who's a fan of the band obviously and uh, he was a treat to speak with so i guess without further ado ken i, I want to say what you what have you been up to have you been on stage with craft work or anything like that or what's going on well i would i would call that a uh I, had had i had the chance to be on stage with craft work at a time in my life at which i wasn't even born then you know i probably would be coursing with the same emotions that that you are right now but i really feel as that would be that would be more of a uh, robotic experience uh, in in the year twenty twenty two than 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 a thrilling one, but uh, no, it's uh, you know it's I'm I'm looking forward to a uh, uh, twenty twenty three full of 
continuing uh, Sloancast content. There's a lot of really cool anniversaries coming up. There's a few albums that yes. we haven't touched on yet. And we have a few oh, interviews yes. uh, lined up. So uh, looking forward to having a little bit more time than I have in the past few months to uh, dedicate to this podcast. It, you're, you're right on the money, man. And thank you, listener, for sticking with us and tuning in each time we drop an episode. And uh, yeah, we hope you enjoy this one. It's a great chat, chat with author and superfan Greg Rhino. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess Ken will cut into that interview now. Our guest today, Ken. His debut novel from a few years ago, we just found out, has been, has been called Engrossing and Masterful. Uh, it is titled, To Me You Seem Giant, Winky Face. It's available uh, via New West Press. He is author Greg Rhino. Greg, thanks so much for joining us on Sloancast. How are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me. This is amazing. Thanks for being you know, here. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm actually I'm surprised that Sloan is not already in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. I, I don't I don't really know who is in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame if not Sloan. It's all garbage. It's just a <laughs> bunch of crap. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I'm surprised too, man. That's a, that's a good call. <laughs> but, but it's kind of apropos, like I was just saying in that little mention, that they uh, turned 30 last year, 2021, so 1991 to you know uh, 2021, and uh, kind of appropriate because I know you know with some bands, especially with a band like this who's been so active, like they've been kind of going the whole time. It's not as though they were popular for two seconds and broke up and are now being retroactively recognized or something, and then regrouping for a Hall of Fame. Like that's such the you know that's really the common story um these guys have been kind of pounding away this whole time and have been as far as i'm concerned relevant this whole time releasing music that's better and better and better this whole time so uh you know perhaps uh for a band that might think the hall of fame is maybe a bit like uh, closing a chapter on the band or something in a way to me it's sort of like a milestone you know 30 yeah. years hall of fame and then proceeding from there who else is that consistent you know especially in canadian music right like i honestly i would argue no yeah i would argue nobody yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, and, it's, and who else is as you mentioned, Rob? Like, who else is thirty years into this still doing it? To to be sort of in the company of bands who really, in many ways, uh, stopped doing it a long time ago, oh. right? I think that uh, maybe that's been a hindrance to them in some regards in getting into. Uh, a storied hall such as the canadian music hall of fame because as you said like that's almost like you know the cherry on top of the career and then you can call it a day or just mail it in for reunion shows every now and then but you know as as much as i want to see these guys in every single music hall of fame in the world i still kind of like that sloan-esque fan feeling that this is still our band yeah 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 these are our, this is our best kept. Secret, Absolutely, right? yeah. So. But really, like in terms of uh, in terms of bands, I mean, I can imagine solo artists who have been around consistently for a long time, like Neil Young's been around for a long time, and but I like Abra Wine. Have they been consistent for for thirty years? I don't, I don't think so. Like, you know, I don't know. I think uh, sort of late eighties, they kind of faded yeah. out, and uh, I guess their their drummer left the band, so that and he was the coolest guy. So <laughs> drummers are always the coolest guy. That's that's just the rule. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Miles Good, I think Miles Goodwin is still rolling. <laughs> He's out there doing his stuff. Um, Greg, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us uh, a little bit about you know where you come from, how you grew up. You can roll as as, as slowly or fastly as as you want with that, and ultimately we want to get to your Sloan story. Yeah. But, uh, you seem to have an interesting take uh, on on that. So let's uh, 
feel free to, to start your answer. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll try to keep myself as interesting and, and brief as possible with uh, limited amounts of rambling. But, um, but I, I, my story, I guess, is um, my story starts uh, in, uh, in Thunder Bay, Ontario. I guess technically, uh, if you want to get crazy about it, it starts in Toronto. It moves to Brampton for a while. But by the time I was seven, I was locked into to Thunder Bay. Um, and so uh, and, and Thunder Bay is... Uh, is kind of a weird place for a lot of different reasons. But um, one of the things I did in, in Thunder Bay is I, I played in bands. Um, and if you are, uh, you know, a guy playing in bands in Thunder Bay uh, in the 90s, uh, it was kind of an interesting place just because uh, it, it was a kind of a way station for uh, other bands that were going across Canada. Um, so you sort of, and I don't know how much you, you know about Thunder Bay, but, you, you know, geographically, if you're going from Toronto to Winnipeg or vice versa, um, you have to uh, you have to go through Thunder Bay, right? There's there's no other really. I mean, you can you can make a pit stop in, in Sudbury or Sault Ste. Marie, uh, but Thunder Bay is, is kind of the hub there. So um, so when I was growing up and uh, in, in playing in bands, um, we we would sort of have the the opportunity to, to see some interesting bands come through, um, and because I guess we were. Um, I don't know. I'm, I think we were the, the uh, we weren't the worst band in Thunder Bay. I, pl- I played in a band called um, uh, Phasers on Stun, and uh, we you know we were this we were sort of like this indie rock band, and there just wasn't a lot of that going on in Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay had a real uh, metal scene, it had a real punk scene, um, but there wasn't really much in terms of um, uh, in terms of indie rock or, or pop rock or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so uh, we we sort of got matched up with a lot of bands that were coming through. So um, because of that, we had this real sort of education, right? We, we got to play with bands like uh, Mystery Machine. And uh, I, I took some notes here, you know, just in case I can remember, because there was a lot of them. Like, nice. uh, there's, nice. uh, yeah, yeah, I did my homework, uh, uh, my brain homework. <laughs> but like Holly McNarland's uh, Treble Charger, mm-hmm. Head, uh, SNFU nice. we played with. Uh, the odds, uh, the Watchmen, but um, but the bands that we liked the best were all the bands from Halifax or from that Halifax scene, especially in the you know the mid '90s. We got into that, so um, so we really liked uh, Thresher Mate, and we really liked uh, Local Rabbits and, and Plum Tree and Inbreds and Altuck and all that stuff. So we got to open for a lot of those folks, um, and as a result, uh, you know, we we learned a lot about music, and that sort of affected our style and. Um, the one th- the one band that we never got to to open for though was was Sloan. It was always a uh, it was really like it was a real bone of contention for us uh, because we really love Sloan. Um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how Sloan sort of got intertwined uh, in our lives a little bit later on. But um, but we were always we were, when when Sloan sort of finally came to uh, to Thunder Bay, um, they played at this this bar. There's this bar in Thunder Bay called Crocs and Rolls. Um, there was recently a documentary uh, about about Crocs and Rolls called Five Bucks at the Door. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. awesome if you want to check it out. It's it's interesting. It's a little bit, it's just a little bit before my time. And we were sort of just at the tail end of Crocs and Rolls before it shut down. But um, there was tons of um, tons of bands uh, would, would play at Crocs and Rolls. There's this tiny little place uh, owned by Frank Lafredo. Uh, and he would he would put on all these, these bands and have all these great shows. And uh, university students and local folks would come out and... and uh, see these bands, and so we finally got to see Sloan, and we were we were super bummed because another band got the bill, and we were we were kind of we felt like we were a little ripped off. I think probably there there might have been some some sadness with our our band because the the band did, that did open was more of sort of like a pearl jammy kind of band, and we felt like maybe we were a little more cutting edge than they were. But 
whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever you know. Um, so, we, so uh, you know, we we didn't get to to play with Sloan, but um, but we still had these sort of funny encounters um, with uh, with Sloan that I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit. But um, so uh, to that, all those experiences sort of rolled into uh, you know this this novel that that I wrote uh, a few years back. And it's called, as you said, it's called To Me, You Seem Giant. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, here I go rambling on, but um, but it's it's a novel that is sort of inspired by my experiences uh, growing up in Thunder Bay, uh, playing with all these different bands, all the different chapter headings are, are songs from bands like, you know, like the Inbreds, like, uh, like Trouble Charger, all that awesome. stuff. So yeah. I was gonna say, like, it's the only book that I know of at least that has a playlist, right? It's, it has an accompanying playlist and I, I'll put it out there. Like neither of us have read the book yet. We just stumbled upon you recently. I think we're pretty excited to get like a, I'm excited to, to talk to anybody who has writing talent because I just really admire that. B uh, exciting to talk about somebody who has writing talent, musical talent and a crossover to the greatest band of all time. But like, how how do those worlds collide i guess before we before we move on to the book before we move on to kind of your focus on sloan like how did how does the writing world for you greg intersect with the music well i i think you know the the joke i usually say is that uh you know i i I started writing uh you know when we when we had kids because you know really we can i can i can practice the drums in the basement when i partner was, was putting the baby to bed. So, uh, so, you know, I really, uh, it was really sort of, I had this time and I had this, uh, this motivation to do stuff and I was always interested in writing. I had always done uh, a little bit of on the side. Um, you know, I, I, I would usually be the go-to lyrics writer in whatever band I was in just because it was, it was, uh, fun for me. Like it was a fun challenge and, and, uh, some of the other guys didn't really want to do it. So I would, I would take on that job. Um, but it was really, you know, I was interested in writing, but I'd never sort of pursued it with any seriousness until I had kids. And when I had kids, it really sort of forced me to have uh, structure in my life. Like I couldn't, I wasn't always driving right. to uh, Toronto for band practice. I wasn't, um, you know, coming home at like, you know, three in the morning on a Tuesday night. Um, I just, that stuff was sort of falling away and, and, and being in a band in that way was untenable. So I just, I couldn't keep doing it. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I thought, and I always, you know, I'd worked on writing different short stories and, and stuff. Um, but I thought really what I should try to do is, is take this, all this, this stuff, uh, this weird stuff that's happened to me. Um, and, uh, you know, um, trying to make it more interesting through the magic of fiction and, uh, and write a story about it. So uh, that's sort of what this, this novel is about. So without spoiling too much, because, you know, we want listeners to stumble upon the book themselves, but, um, Tell us a little bit about To Me, You Seem Giants, about, you know, the genesis of the idea and maybe a little bit about the, the story. Well, I, so I think uh, one thing that I've, I've learned about myself as a writer is that I really need some kind of structure. Um, I like having something to push against. And um, and the the idea I came up with for uh, for this novel, it's, it's not by any means the most original idea, but it's sort of this um, this this alternating back and forth between two decades. Um, and so you sort of flip right. back and forth and um, it creates some mystery, right? When you jump ahead in time, uh, you start to wonder what happened. Why is the character in this situation? Um, and so I, I decided I would, I would focus on uh, two different years uh, in, in the character's life, uh, 1994 and 2004. Um, 
1994, uh, the character is a high school student. And uh, in 2004, the character is a high school teacher, um, which I am in real life. So, I, you know, I could take some, you know, some personal experience from that. That was, it's always, you know, you got to write what you know. But, um, but sort of by having this sort of flipping back and forth, you can sort of see that the the character didn't wind up where he wanted to be. A lot of uh, his his high school dreams were were dashed by the two thousands. Uh, but it, I also it was it was fun because it sort of um, carved out sort of two different musical scenes for me. Um, and one was sort of the uh, the nineties Canadian indie rock scene, which uh, is is my first love, right? Like it's it's the scene that was was most interesting to me and the scene that I sort of grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one was, uh, which I was, you know, even though the book came out in uh, in 2017, I think I sort of, I still think of, uh, you know, as I was writing it, I was still thinking of 2004 as being fairly recent. It's not now, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's that. There's an interesting scene in Toronto too, right? With, um, you know, with Broken Social Scene and uh, uh, you know all those bands. Um, I, I live uh, I, I live in Guelph now, and uh, Guelph had a really interesting scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Three Gut Records, so you had bands like uh, Constantine's and Royal City, uh, uh, and lots of lots of great acts, Jim Guthrie, uh, coming out of that out of that scene. So, um, so those were sort of my two; those were the two scenes that I was most interested in, and I wanted to sort of uh, show those two scenes happening um, simultaneously. Okay, I'm just going to throw some names out here because on the playlist that is the book, uh, or that composes the book, ultimately. Uh, to to Museum Giant, we have, and this is a, a, a spattering, but looking for a place to happen from the tragically hip. Um, Hayden's in September. Uh, Joel Plaskett Emergencies, Come On Teacher. Uh, Sloan's The Rest of My Life, right? So uh, Sloan's Worried Now, Arcade Fire's Rebellion Lies, uh, Sam Roberts' Where Have All the Good People Gone, Odds is It Falls Apart, right? So there's... I, I think you're you're doing a pretty great sample of what you described initially is that sort of you know what what's inspired you from the East Coast music scene, but also moving forward through that mid two thousands uh, Toronto music scene. So um, I'm I'm super intrigued to dive into. This. Well, so the book sort of set up like uh, you'll uh, on the cover of the book is is um, you know a cassette tape, and in the the cover of the book I, it was a, it was a bit of uh, it, even though it's set in 1994, I, when they came up with that cover, I was like, "Oh, I love that cover." Uh, it looks, it, it's made to to resemble and sort of uh, riff on um, uh, one chord to another by Sloan. Um, right. And uh, I was like, "Oh man, that's that's great. That looks really good." But that's 1996, and I don't know, like <laughs> you know, that's, that's right. 1994. But I think, thank goodness, I, I went with it because it's, or I, you know, I don't I don't know how much choice I really had, but <laughs> to be honest, but but it was, uh, I really, I, I'm pretty happy with that cover. But it's. Um, but it's uh, it, it's the whole book is sort of set up like a mixtape. Um, so you have sort of one side uh, is songs from 1994, um, and the other side is is 2004. And there is sort of uh, in the story itself that mixtape gets uh, gets recorded. Um, you know, the the main character Pete Curtis re- records this mixtape. He starts recording it uh, in the 90s, and then he finishes it in, in 2004. So it sort of comes full circle. Um, and, uh, I, I really wanted to pull songs. I wanted to be, you know, historically accurate. I wanted to be playing songs that, uh, that character would have been listening to at the time. Um, and, and for the most part, they're songs that I would be listening to at the time. Uh, I, I admittedly, I, I was a little late, uh, uh, to the tragically hip. I felt like, 
uh, you know, with growing up in Thunder Bay, uh, there was, there was something about, uh, the tragically hip, uh, that I think Chris Murphy summed up, uh, pretty well and coaxed me, which was, uh, it's not the band I hate, it's the fans. The, uh, it was, it was hard to be a tragically hip fan in, in Thunder Bay. Um, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, you had to wear your, your baseball cap backwards a lot to, to go to shows like that. And, um, you know, it, it, but it, like I, you know, I've come to really love Tragically Hip actually. And, uh, uh, even, even like Lowest to the Low might've not been a band that I really loved at the time, but I, I, you know, I tried to remember that there's, there's a lot of crossover between that character and myself, but it's, uh, they're not exactly the same guys. So. Awesome, man. Yeah. So how did you originally get into writing in the first place? Um, so I, I was, uh, I, I've always, I guess you mentioned that you were writing in bands. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, um, I was always interested in writing. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I was, I was good at English. I was terrible at all the other subjects. I'm an English teacher, uh, now. And I just, I loved reading. Um, I liked writing the lyrics. Uh, I, I tried writing short stories. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm still trying to write short stories. Uh, sometimes I succeed and sometimes I don't, but, um, but yeah, it really, uh, it, I, I do think that, um, when I, uh, when I stopped playing music, when that sort of stopped being my focus, this was a great way to sort of divert my energy into that. Um, and when I, when I decided that I wanted to try and tackle a book, like there's no, there's no really great way to, uh, to start writing a book, right? You just have to do it. Like I remember for a while, I had this dumb file on my computer that just said like something like do it or just do it. And that was the, like the, the file that had my, my novel. And, and, uh, you know, I would just chip away at it and I still, that's still my strategy now. I just have to chip away a little bit all the time whenever I'm working on something. There's still a million other things that I feel like I should be doing. But if you can make it a priority in your life, uh, then you can you can get some work done, which is nice. Yeah. It's it's funny too. You mentioned the cover and looking at it uh, right now. It's it's funny. It's, I, I like it's it's interesting that somebody came up with that for you. That, that wasn't uh, something from you at all. Because yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, that's clearly like a Sloan reference. Like the title and the overall the, the font, the blue of the cover. Um, so yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I the the artist. I I'm sorry, she's she's slipping my mind right now, but um, she's great. She's on she's on Twitter as uh, Pain Air. So I always forget what her real name is, but um, she's super talented. And uh, uh, she I really liked a lot of her other uh, cover art. She, uh, but it was it was kind of funny because that was the third uh, that was the third cover that they showed me. And at that point I was like, I, I think I got to take whatever this is going to be. And, and luckily it worked out. Okay. Uh, the first two were, were cool, but they just didn't really fit. Uh, and it's, it's gotta be like, that's gotta be a super tricky job. Right. Because I know that she read a little bit of the book just to get a sense of it. Um, but you know, she doesn't have time to, to read every book. She, uh, she does the artwork for. And so, uh, I think right. she, she really, and, and they did ask they, you know, they, they want to know what are some images that you think reflect the book. And I, you know, I, I did, send her some some slony images i'm sure um but uh but yeah I'm, i worked out well in the end so i was happy about that and being such an obvious reference to the band do you know if they're aware of it at all have you received oh, any feedback or anything well, like that in that regard yeah i had to ask permission <laughs> I said, oh um, of course okay. um, yeah okay. so interesting it's it, there's an interesting thing um you don't have to ask permission to use a song title uh, but you do have to ask permission to use song lyrics um, and so all, all the other titles, it was, it was fine. I, I was worried for a second. The, um, new West, I think at one point we're like, we might have to get permission for all the different song titles. I was like, Oh shit, that's going to take a while. Um, but then afterwards they came back there. Um, there's actually a couple, uh, you know, I, I had to take some lyrics out of the, 
uh, out of the book or sort of talk about the lyrics and not actually drop them um, just so that I, we could avoid having to ask like Neil Young for permission. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was kind of easy uh, to get that permission. I, I you know, I, I don't have, um, so I'm, you know, I, I, like I said before, there is some weird sort of, um, I've, I've had a number of uh, funny encounters uh, with Sloan and with Chris Murphy in particular. And I think if you are, you know, someone who plays in a Canadian band, I think the odds are pretty good. You're going to have some kind of interesting uh, run in with, with Sloan or Chris Murphy in particular, because he's just that kind of guy, right? He's, he's usually yeah. in the place and he's pretty recognizable right. and he is, uh, you know, incredibly extroverted and friendly. And so, uh, you know, I have had these run-ins. So I, I'll tell you about those in a second, but just, to, just to take care of uh, this bit of business, the, um, the way I got that, uh, that, you know, permission to do it is, um, uh, I used to live not that far away from, uh, from Vish Khanna, um, and, uh, Vish is, uh, you know, journalist extraordinaire. Uh, he used to yeah. live in Guelph, um, now lives in Edmonton. I just sort of went through Vish. So, uh, I feel like if you, if you live in Guelph, you know, Vish. So I, it was sort of just, uh, I was, I was just like, you know, one Kevin Bacon away from, from, uh, getting Chris Murphy's email. <laughs> Nice. There's the, the the thing is, is that the the more I the longer I live outside of Canada, the more I realize there are no six degrees of separation in Canada. It's actually yeah. degrees, <laughs> and I know Canadians are like, oh, well, you know, it's not that small. It's the second biggest country in the world, <laughs> and we have thirty eight million people. But it's like, oh yeah, and do you know, you know, Jimmy Smith? I'm like, yeah, but that's not the yeah. point. You yeah. Know? So and there's. And I think that's the, you had said before uh, at the start, the idea of how, you know, Sloan feels like our band, right? The idea of, you know, even before they get into the the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, it's nice to sort of make it feel like they're, or it, there's this sort of sense that of, of uh, ownership's the wrong word, but they're sort of like our team, right? Like, you know, they're, they're, they're the team that we root for. Uh, they're the locals. Um which is not totally, I mean, they're, I mean, I, I live near Toronto now, but you know, they were from Halifax, I was from Thunder Bay. And so, um, that it was kind of a weird, um, it was a weird thing to root for, but it just felt, you know, when I heard that music, it really did feel like home. It made a lot of sense to me and it was, it, it spoke to me more than other things had. And, you know, I, there's a lot of other bands I like, there's like, you know, I, I, I love the Rolling Stones, right? The Rolling Stones are amazing. Like I, you know, the, I, that's sort of a, kind of an obvious one, but you know, I like, I like Bruce Springsteen, you know, but I'll never feel like, uh, they're my people, right? Like I'll never feel like, uh, they, they speak for me in any way, but sometimes I'll listen to a Sloan song and I'll be like, yeah, I, I feel like, uh, what they're saying right now makes sense. And especially, uh, in particular, Chris's lyrics are just, they're so funny and, um, they're just so, so, I mean, they're so well-written, right? He, they're, they're such, they're all such great writers and they're all so clever. Like that's his song, you know, autobiography. When I was listening to that, I was like, these are amazing lyrics. And it's, and I love that it's about a guy writing a story about himself. And then that's yeah. what the song is, right? It's just super smart, funny, and all the things that, uh, you know, writers that i like try to be, right? Um, like I love, I love Nick Hornby. Um, and uh, it's that sort of, that sort of, uh, you know, that record collector voice, right? Like someone who's smart, knows their stuff, uh, is funny and has something to say, uh, and brings it together in a song. That's hard to do, right? Songs are like song lyrics are, are tricky to write. So for all of those guys to come up with such great lyrics is, is uh, you know, from a, a writer perspective, you know, I wasn't much of a writer when I first started listening to them, but I can look back and, uh, and, and realize like there's some, some really solid lyricism going on in those songs. You know? 
I was going to ask you, you mentioned a second ago about, if, you know, the first time you hear that music, mm-hmm. um, I, I was going to, my, my next question is going to be something to the, to the effect of, you know, where did you first, you know, encounter Sloan and um, how did that whole fandom begin and, you know, maybe potential stories about seeing them live, that kind of thing. But uh, to, to kind of circle back for a second, uh, I think while we were introducing each other to ourselves on Instagram, you mentioned that there's a Murph reference in the book, perhaps, like either a character yeah, or statement. I was going to ask if that's based on something real, like a, some sort of uh, occasion that, that, that actually occurred. It is. I, I mean, it, it, it kind of is. I, I'll, I'll sort of, uh, I'll give you the, the whole uh, story here. The um, so in, in to me you seem giant the novel, uh, which you know I'll plug a couple times. Oh, while while I'm at it, uh, you know if I can uh, not at all awkwardly plug the fact that uh, I will I, I have um, uh, a new series of books coming out uh, in uh, starting in 2024, which I'm sure many of your listeners oh. will be reviewing this in 2024. Uh, but I have a, <laughs> a, a series of uh, uh, detective novels coming out. Uh, uh, the first one is called Who by Fire. Um, and they're set in in Parkdale, actually, so um, in Toronto. So uh, wow. that, that's. Uh, are, are there any grizzled uh, grizzled detectives named Andrew Scott or something? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> I have to read it to find out. Um, but uh, okay, but, I'm into it. But um, so uh, so Chris Murphy uh, shows up in "To Me You Seem Giant," my my first novel. Uh, not the detective novel. Okay. It's not. It's not Detective Chris Murphy or Andrew Scott quite yet. Um, so, uh, like Chris, the real, like the real Chris Murphy is guy. In yeah, because I really wanted uh, to to sort of blur um, fact and fiction in uh, in the book. Um, some things are based on things that happened to me. You know, I I, I usually tell people that uh, the stuff that you know the, I I made up all the parts that are interesting, but you know the sort of baseline story. There's a lot of baseline there that kind of happened to me. Um, but but in this story. Um, Chris Murphy shows up as, is kind of like, he's almost like a, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of like Wilson Pickett in the commitments, right? He, he shows up as this, um, this guy who can maybe change the fate of the band if, if, you know, uh, but, but things keep, uh, getting in the way of that from happening. And so uh, in, in the story, uh, the band, uh, is, uh, opening for the, the, the band is called, uh, a giant killer. And there's a lot of giant stuff the, there's a, a famous mon- uh, monument, uh, there's a famous, um, uh, peninsula in Thunder Bay called the Sleeping Giant. So locals are that's that's a big deal in in Thunder Bay, the Sleeping Giant. And so uh, you know his band's called Giant Killer. The novel's called To Me You Seem Giant. And Giant Killer uh, opens up for uh, the Super Friends. And Chris Murphy is playing drums for the Super Friends. Um, and that is a big deal for uh, the guys in the band because they know that uh, Super Friends are on this this really awesome label, and they know that Chris Murphy is uh, playing drums with them, and that he is one of the guys who runs this label. And they're like, maybe this is our shot to get uh, you know out of Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay is is a really uh, it's a really isolated place, um, and for any band to sort of get out of there, it's it's hard to, to you know we uh, my my own band in, in Thunder Bay, Phases on Stun. Uh, we didn't we didn't tour a lot because it you know it would take it, you know it was fifteen hours to Toronto right so it was I mean we we had one tour <laughs> it, it was maybe like uh, five shows and uh, it was it was exhausting and long and really fun uh, but we did that was that was the only tour for that for that band so yeah in in the novel uh, Chris Murphy shows up as um, as uh, this figure and that that is uh, that is kind of based on a true story um, I guess how about just just to give you the the whole uh, story of um, of me and Sloan, of, of Greg and Sloan. Uh, do you mind if I hop back a I couple I have a quick years? question. Yeah. 
I have a quick question though. Mm. The Chris Murphy in the book, is he like real Murph or is he like Curb Your Enthusiasm Murph? Murph, is he kind of like a dick or something? No, he's um, sort of, he is, uh, I try to, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm the right guy to, to, uh, say yes or no on that, I guess, because I, I mean, I've met Chris Murphy a number of times. Um, we're not tight buds. I don't know if he, you know, if I don't know if I captured him exactly, but I, I feel like in terms of, um, I think in terms of the way I was trying to portray Chris Murphy, uh, he is, uh, he's a funny guy. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he's, he, I, I talk about him being, um, the kind of guy that, uh, if he was in Thunder Bay, uh, that he would be, uh, a target. Uh, cause he's, he's, you know, when I remember when I first saw him, you know, his, he had his hair sticking up crazy. He looked like he just woke up. He's super skinny. Uh, you know, he, he was like, you know, shabby clothes. And I feel like it, you know, I was like, oh, that that guy's a rock star. Like this is this is nuts. Um, and in that kind of guy in Thunder Bay would get picked on, but in that situation, he was the coolest guy in the room. Um, so that's sort of what I was trying to to articulate is that he has this, um, you know, he he has a certain cool that uh, manages to 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 guard him from. Uh, I think all the things that you know, guys like me who you know were uh, skinny and shabby uh you know we 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 didn't necessarily have the the social skills to uh to avoid but he seemed to be able to deflect right all the all the trouble that might come his way so i wanted to sort of you know there was a bit of an aura around him uh you know in that situation i mean it helps when there's a microphone or a drum kit in front of you for sure but um but that was uh yeah that's that's the guy i was trying to it, he's a, maybe a little bit larger than life in, in the book but he's kind of larger in life larger than life in real life too so i, I hope that works yeah out okay. I, I recognize that aura that's yeah. awesome yeah. It's, I, I might cut this out later, but um, to quote my sister, who is sort of a more of a casual Sloan fan, uh, recent, who recently, well, not recently, a few years ago, when we were talking about the band, she's like, oh, and which, which member, which, what's the name of the member who kind of looks like a Muppet? <laughs> uh, and I think that I, like, I immediately thought about Chris because he has this, like, I, I didn't take that as being demeaning in any ways, but if you think of like Guy Smiley, you know, the game show host, if you put him with like Chris Murphy, yeah. hair, that's kind of the vibe that Chris Murphy gives me. He's like very out there and kind of flailing. And also and on drums, smiling. on drums, he's animal, yeah. right? I mean, he the, has a particular right. style of playing right. drums. Totally. That, um, yeah. You know, I, I really, yeah. one of the reasons I, I love Sloan is that I'm a drummer and there's two amazing drummers in that band. Um, I love Andrew Scott. Uh, I love watching Andrew Scott. Uh, but Chris Murphy has a different style, and it is also super fun to watch. And it is just this crazy floppy style. He's constantly pushing up his glasses. I don't know how he does it, right? Like he's, it's like he has an extra oh, hand in dude, there. So, dude, yeah. So, I want to, I want to correct my last statement because the guy in Sloan who, and people, listeners will know me as a huge Andrew guy and a, and a Patrick guy, and like, you know, I think that in a lot of ways I'm, I'm I'm a fan of everybody but when I first saw the music videos and when I first kind of was casually getting into the band the guy who I wanted to be like was Chris Murphy right like he's the dude who you when you're young like you want to be him because he's the most extra yeah he's, the most he's very charismatic like, right and I think that that probably uh is you know I I, I think that's something that uh, a band needs like you need a front man um, and it, they, you know, as, you know, Sloan is often credited as having four frontmen, and, it, and it's true. Um, but 
he's mm. he's the guy who is is going to do a lot of the talking and make a lot of the jokes. So yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, I know you want to hear your full on Chris Sloan story. Uh, and we're really taffy pulling this out here to to quote nah, that's cool. Off, but uh, to to kind of speak to Ken's comment there about wanting to be Murph. Like I think I've mentioned this on the show before. He was on Mike Bullard as like he was the guest after they played. And he uh, put his feet up on the desk and he's like, wrap it up, Mike, you know, like wrap up the segment. <laughs> and, uh, and I noticed, I, I looked at the bottom of his shoes. I knew they were Adidas, but I didn't know what kind. And so I went to the foot, I went to Foot Locker or something the next day and I, like turned all the shoes over. And I was like, oh, that's the one, the rubber, <laughs> yeah. the rubber with the circle. It's, it's, he's wearing Sambas. And I wore those solidly for like at least 15 years. Like, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, it's just want to mention that. It's, it's funny because, like, I spent when anyway, I was please. a kid. I, I really, yeah, like when I was when I was a kid, I really uh, like I admired all those guys, and I thought they were they were all uh, they. Had, I think that was. I remember reading an interview uh, or a review of them about uh, you know the band was good, these songs were great. It was a review of Smeared, um, and we really liked their haircuts. Like that was a, and I think there was sort of uh, oh. you know weird. There was a th- that was a weird period of time where. Um, you know, we were just sort of shifting out of, uh, you know, the the big cardigans and long hair and just like the the Kurt Cobain grunge mm. and and I like I, you know I was I was I think a lot of people were looking for something new and they came with their Beatles haircuts and they're all pretty cute and just like you know uh, you know girls loved them and and they were but they still like kicked ass and I think that was there was something about there like there was just something kind of magical about all that. Uh, that uh, a lot of people fell in love with. Like, it, it makes sense, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Yep, like, yep. this is getting way too deep now. <laughs> like, even just aging, like, fine wine and, like, you know, if I could look like 2006 Andrew Scott, I, I would, you know, that would be, I, I would pay $3 million. That, that's the look, right? If I could look like 2022 Murph, like, that'd be fine. I'd be fine. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. But uh, yeah, man, timeless look, timeless music, you know, that's sort of the best. Well, okay. But, so uh, one of the reasons. Yeah. Let me like, so there is, there was a point though, that that sort of clicked in and, and I want to, let me jump back just, just cause I, sure. I got to go from the start, even though like, I, I like to write in, in uh, ways that sort of jump around and mess around with chronology. I was just, I was thinking about this. I was trying to get the story straight in my head in terms of how uh, I, I got into Sloan. Because I figured that may be a question you guys you guys ask, um, and I think the first time I uh, ever heard of Sloan, uh, so it's in the '90s, pre-internet, Thunder Bay. Like we're just, we might as well be in the middle of nowhere. Um, I mean, we are in the middle of nowhere. We're hours from everywhere. Yeah. Um, but um, I remember I was, you know, in in high school. Uh, I, I found out about Sloan the way you find out about bands. Someone had like a, a maybe a magazine page ripped out of chart magazine or something uh and then like stuck to their locker like that was the first time i saw the word sloan and uh like sort of these like you know brit poppy looking guys uh uh you know a picture of them and i was like oh like who are those guys and and someone said oh they're like uh they're like canada's nirvana um which i i think is kind of how they were marketed for a while which was uh you know was very inaccurate but um but it made that that um, it, it makes sense in a way. Like there was sort of, uh, they did sort of bridge the gap, right? Um, someone lent us the tape. Uh, they, uh, my brother and I, um, we played music. We still play music together uh, in, in bands, but uh, we played music together for forever. Um, and uh, I think someone lent my brother the tape and we, we listened to uh, Underwhelmed 
uh, and then we rewound it and listened to Underwhelmed again, and then rewound it and listened. And my brother was almost, um, it was almost too much. Like he, he just loved that one song. And I was like, dude, we got to listen to the rest of the album. But he loved that one song so much because it is so catchy and it's so funny. And it's just, and it's got, and it, it was this interesting pop transition from like the heaviness of Nirvana into something that just felt a little bit different. And I was, I was interested in, in, um, other bands that weren't quite as heavy. I think we were just had started listening to unrest, um, maybe guided by voices at that point. I'm not sure, but, um, but there was these sort of pop sensibilities that, um, were kind of uh, that were new to us, right? There was something about it that was a little bit different and uh, that wasn't quite as heavy as what we had been listening to before. So we listened to that a ton, um, and then uh, it was, I think it was maybe um, my friend Chad came over once, uh, probably for band practice, and he had brought a VHS tape, and he's like, "You remember that band Sloan? They had that album uh, smeared." Like I, I heard, I saw their. Um, a new video on much music and uh it really sucks i was like oh no that's too bad i really like that band and he put he put the he put the vh tape he's like yeah they're just if they all look like they're trying to be like beatles and and the the video is sort of like low quality looks like the bbc or something uh and he he's like they're just picking through chords and it's just it's it, like it just was not his jam and and you know you know we were we were used to heavier stuff uh and more like you know we liked we liked ride and we like swerve driver and my bloody valentine and uh like uh, just guitars swirling all over each other and um and so we put it in and i was ready to hate it you know like when you're i don't know how old i was like 16 17 maybe when that came out um and you know you just you are ready to believe your friends about uh you know what what's cool and what sucks um and he put it in and i was ready just to laugh at it because i was like you know it's there's a power in sort of uh, you know, a band, a failure of a band, right? Like, there's a pat, and it's that. It sounds like you're describing coax me here. Yeah, and yeah. And so they put it in, and coax me comes on, and I and and I was like, holy shit, this is. I, I was I was ready to hate it, and I just fucking fell in love. It was it was so good. Uh, it's still it's still my favorite uh, Chris Murphy song. It's it's so beautiful. Just just those uh, you know those those harmonies like uh, Patrick's hanging on that one line all the way through. It's got the crazy like Fleetwood Mac drumming all the way through it. Uh, it's uh, and uh, it was just it was like nothing I had heard, um, and it changed the way I thought about music. I, I stopped constantly looking ahead and started uh, you know like rummaging through my my dad's box of old records, right? Like I, I suddenly started looking backwards and thinking about. Where is this coming from? Um, where can I find more music like this? Um, what did I miss? Uh, you know, just looking ahead. Uh, maybe it's time to sort of slow down and think about what else is out there that already exists. And and that sort of is that that changed the way I I processed music. Um, that one song. And I, the, you know, I I really like I, in terms of uh, in terms of albums, like I I know I, I often think about how uh, one chord to another is probably their coolest album right the story of that album is really cool how they you know they uh broke away like for a while it seemed like they broke up and then they uh you know they they had this sort of comeback and it was um they had to make a record uh that sounded uh like a like a big record on a small budget and it, like it's got the horns and the maracas and all the stuff that i wasn't expecting it was a surprise again um but there so i always think about that as being sort of uh the coolest sloan record um but it was uh uh, it was twice removed that really just like turned them into, you know, 
one of my favorites, if not my favorite band at the time, right? It was just, it was something that uh, just, it affected not just, you know, not, not just the, um, the choices I made, but even like how I, how I wanted to play drums, you know, like how I wanted to be in a band. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> so I, let me, let me give you a couple other little bits about uh, just from my notes, you know, it's important to, to keep track. Please, I don't wanna, please. Um, this is great. If this is, if this is useful. So uh, 1994, I think is, uh, is coax me video comes out. <clears throat> yep. I think, uh, uh, 1995. Um, I, I'd mentioned before that uh, Sloan came to uh, Thunder Bay, um, and right. uh, and came to Crocs and Rolls, which is a tiny venue. Um, I'd mentioned before, like mm. bands go there because there there wasn't a lot of other places to play. They probably weren't quite big enough to to fill, you know, the Lakehead University outpost. So they're in in Crocs and Rolls. I you know my I remember getting my dad to call Frank Lafredo. Uh, to ask because I we believed it was going to be um, uh, like a 19 plus show and we were not 19 plus and right. and uh, it, I'm I'm not sure what the deal was but we got in um, and uh, <laughs> it was like you know it was great it was packed uh, everyone sing along uh, you know I I know all the lyrics to all these songs and it's just it was really fun super sweaty um, and that thing happened. Um, at the end of uh, uh, you know they play underwhelmed at the end um, and that thing that that Chris Murphy does at the end of underwhelmed at the end of underwhelmed happened which is that he uh, he gave uh, the bass to a kid in the crowd and uh, it just so happened that that kid was my brother uh, and so and so awesome. and so here's here's Mark and and my brother Mark was uh, again it was like that weird transition from from grunge to uh, whatever happened after grunge. Um, so my brother I just want to say quickly yeah. I think this is the third instance of a uh, a guest or at least somebody you know the relation to a guest being the bass player in underwhelmed I think we've had three or four so far on the show so this is fantastic it, please continue, please continue. Your oh yeah that's, that's the <laughs> yeah it's that was a good trick that was it was a it was a good thing to do uh and it really I think that's that's the you know the one of the things that I I love about Sloan and Chris Murphy in particular was that they would they would connect with just like, you know, nobody's from backwater towns uh, and, and make them feel like rock stars just for a few minutes. Right. Like that was pretty cool. Um, and so my brother's got like, it, uh, he's, he's got, um, you know, probably like an oversized shirt on. He's got uh, like a long ponytail. Um, I think he had just had a bike accident uh, that summer. And so it's possible that he might've been missing like a tooth or two. Uh, and there he is just <laughs> like, Play, like playing bass on stage uh like it's and he knew like it was he knew the the song right like so it was cool because he could actually play it um and he was and i think that was a bit of a surprise <laughs> like that was like you know like so it was it was really fun yeah. for him um, i think they usually turn the volume down normally yeah, yeah that's great <laughs> uh, but that was uh that was pretty special um and i i think uh you know the, there was just uh, uh, these moments sort of continued right like we um we, my brother and I actually interviewed. We were, we were supposed to interview Patrick Pentland uh, for the Lakehead University. The Argus was the was the newspaper, and uh, we were supposed to interview uh, Patrick. So we wrote all these uh, these questions for Patrick that were sort of we were like, okay, we'll we'll try to set up like a you know we want to appear like we know what we're doing, um, you know, look like we've done our homework. So we we wrote all these these Patrick questions, you know, and some of them were dumb. We're like, you know, why is your hair so long? What's going on with that? You know, just like, uh, like just some dumb <laughs> questions. Um, and so we didn't really, we didn't 
know what Patrick was going to be like. And we like, he always, he always seems like he could be potentially prickly. Um, and so we were like, we, we wanted to have like a few like jokey questions just to, to get him going. Um, but what wound up happening was uh, we had all these Patrick questions and Chris Murphy shows up for the interview. He's like, Hey, I know you guys. And we're like, Oh, okay. Um, and so he actually, uh, we're like, Oh, we have all these questions, but they're actually for, for Patrick Pentland. And he's like, it's okay. I'll, I'll answer on his behalf. And so he answered as Patrick for a number of the questions, <laughs> which was pretty great. Um, and it was, it was interesting. Like it was interesting to talk to, he, you know, he took, took a lot of time and, and talked with us about, um, you know, his, uh, his, his sort of, his thoughts about music and, you know, uh, you know, he, we even talked about this idea of, um, you know, stage banter and, and doing interviews and, um, you know, the way that he deals with, uh, uh, media. And we talked about the idea that, uh, he, I think he said something like, ah, oh, yeah, Jay, Jay's always trying to get me to like ease up on the jokes. He doesn't want me to be like Jackie Joker all the time. Uh, but he's like, he, he's like, look at the Beastie Boys. Who's funnier? Who's cool? Like, you know, what, there's like that. Exactly. That, that doesn't, yeah. uh, that can't go wrong. Um, and so that was, that was cool. You know, we, uh, there's the, you know, there was playing with the super friends. And so, uh, we got to, I, I remember he, he, uh, we got there early and, and when you're a drummer, um, you always wind up having to play on other people's drum kits, um, which sometimes sucks, but then it's sometimes awesome when they're, when they're Chris Murphy's drums. Um, and he's like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you go tune them up and see how they, see how they are. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. So, so I got to, uh, stab Chris Murphy's drums. I mean, he probably, he just wanted to go and take a break and, you know, let the kid go and set them up for me. But like, it was, it was, it was amazing for me at the time. Uh, yeah, we, we went to, you know, we went to go see Sloan in, um, uh, Thunder Bay, you, like it's it's like I said, it's it's not close to a lot of places. Um, but we would go to um, to First Avenue uh, in Minneapolis to see shows, which was eight hours away. But you know, for it was it was kind of worth it. So we went to go see uh, Sloan open for the Fountains of Wayne, and it was it was a really interesting experience to see them in the states. Um, so uh, and you know, it was a weird thing because they were they were on first. Uh, people liked them, but they, there wasn't such, uh, you know, it, there wasn't that Canadian fervor about them. They were just like a good band. Nice. Um, but, and it was kind of weird cause it was early. Like they were on at like five or something. I remember nice. I almost like failed my, I, I had an exam the next day and I almost failed it. Um, but I remember, uh, you know, he, again, there was, he sort of, uh, would single you out, right. He, he recognized us. And not only that, like he, we were all, it was like a, I remember it was like a, it, it wasn't a show where people were getting up and standing. And, and I think at one point, like Mark and I were like, Hey, we should get up and like, you know, stand at the front. And he like, he sort of said, nah, like, that's not cool. Uh, this is like, it, I, like it was just, everyone was sitting down. It was like, that was not the time and place. But what he did do was uh, at some point uh, he, he crossed the, whatever, like, you know, the empty dance floor and like jumped up on our table and, and was playing on our table for us. So cool. But he was just, he always, I, I think he, he was really great about making a point to uh, make us feel like uh, we were part of a, a bigger scene. And I, I really appreciated that. We, we were just, you know, we, and, and Mark and I went on to play in bands and we, you know, we, like I said, we, we toured with Phasers on Stun. We uh, went out with other bands and toured Canada. And, and I don't think we would have had that kind of confidence to do that if we, if it wasn't for that kind of attention, that sort of, um, that sense that uh, there was this guy who was cool, who thought we were cool too, you know? It, like all these years later, right? Uh, you've obviously uh, maintained your fandom for the band. You have a, a strong footing in the early years. What's, I mean, this is a cliched question to ask, but what's your, what are your thoughts on Sloan's latest output? What's your favorite album? How, how do you feel? Oh, yeah. 
looking back on you know almost 30 years of fandom. So I admittedly I am more of a fan of the early stuff. Um, but uh, and, and I I'm, I feel like uh, as I get older, um, I don't pay as much attention to the ba- the bands I love as I did uh, when I was younger. And there's there's a line in the book um, that says something like, "You never love music the way you do when you're 17." Right? There's something about being 17, listening to you know a, a voice that uh, is is telling you how to live your life. Um, with a certain confidence and there's harmonies and there's amazing music around it. And uh, there's, there's something um, you, you believe that voice no matter what, but one of the, one of the reasons um, why the book is, is called uh, to me, you giant is, you know, obviously there's the Sloan reference. Uh, there's the whole sleeping giant Thunder Bay thing. Um, but in, in maybe actually you guys probably know the answer to this. Um, I had heard that the song Pen Pals was uh, the the lyrics from Pen Pals uh, were not uh, you know love letters to Sloan, but that when um, when uh, Sloan got signed to Geffen, uh, that that they had access to these letters that these people all around the world had written to uh, Kurt Cobain, and so that was there is this line in the book about how uh, the, you know the, the character has outlived Kurt Cobain, right? He's he. You know, he, it's 1994. Cobain died in 92 or 93. Um, 90, 94, yeah. 94. Okay, 94. So, sorry. Uh, and there's a sense of, you know, that's, that is, you know, he's, he's like, he's, like, he's not moved past that, but he is, you know, he's, he's lost a hero in that uh, he, mm-hmm. he's already sort of uh, starting to retreat from music and music pulls him back in. Um, and so, I guess that's my sort of long way around of saying that uh, I don't think I love music the way I did when I was 17, uh, but I still, uh, it, it's still something that um, pulls me out of myself and, and still is incredibly important for me. So, uh, so yeah, I, I was, I was thinking about um, like, what are my, what are my favorite Sloan songs and what are the more recent ones that I love? And I was, I guess, uh, what was I, I think one of my favorite Andrew songs is um, like, I love people of the sky. Right. I mean, obviously that's, that's a, it's an Andrew classic, but, um, but I really liked, uh, uh, I got to try on never hear the end of it. Um, it was, it was yes. like, that was, and I, I really like, I liked how I, I didn't listen to never hear the end of it when it came out right away. Um, but I loved, I just, I love that. I, first of all, that's, that's an amazing title for you know a double album. It's like smartest <laughs> Uh, yeah smartest double album title so i i do think i am not sure i i know they just put out uh a new one right they're they're putting out a new album right now it's called steady right yeah coming out in october yeah do you guys have feelings about this so far uh we're i think we're gonna break our silence on a future episode but uh yeah Uh, i mean like me personally i can speak for myself can speak for himself Uh, i'm very excited yeah i mean like i love the new single and have maybe heard (coughs) additional tracks (laughs) i feel like you guys Uh, might have an inside track uh, a little bit, but uh, yeah, very excited about it. Uh, you mentioned never hear the end of it earlier, and I'll, I'll say that I think it's uh, certainly the best thing since that record, uh, if not okay. even more so. But uh, I liked, yeah, fantastic. Very, very much looking forward to it. I liked, uh, I liked some stuff on twelve. Um, I thought Commonwealth was was a really cool idea, and I think there's some really great songs on that. Uh, and I, I think the Double Cross is uh, is solid. Like, I think that's a that's a like it was a really great rock and roll record like there's a lot of really good stuff agreed um yeah and i i I have to say like i i'm not um like i i don't 
I'm not in love with every single Sloan album. Like I like the first five albums were the the soundtracks of my life, uh, and then it sort of gets a little bit spotty. Like I, I sort of check in, check mm-hmm. out. Um, but I, I think what uh, surprises me is just they they still like you can hear that they love what they're doing, right? Um, I think I've changed, but they're like we said before, they're so consistent and they're so good, um, and they've gotten so much better just as musicians. Um, I think that's uh, that says a lot about their their abilities 100 yeah. percent. um it's we we have this thing uh that harkens back to our very first episode about you know first generation second generation third generation sloan fans because the band has been around for freaking ever but um you know the first generation is everything pre-breakup right so smeared twice removed really the first wave of fans who, who kind of got into the band um, second generation being when they were at their peak on much music for the classic one chord through to, you know, pretty together ish albums. Um, third generation being, I think everything after never hear the mm-hmm. end of it. And so I think it's, it's interesting to get the perspective of fans who have been, you know, following the band since their first album or two, Rob and I really came on board for one chord, um, which is, is putting us smack dab in in the middle of that sort of fan axis as it were um but uh it's i hope that the new album from what i'm understanding kind of delivers on stuff that would appeal to all three generations of sloan fans so uh something something to watch out for i think when that when that drops in october i i think it's one of the things that uh that i can't recapture is that there was a, a quality to uh there's a quality to Sloan. So what, like probably my favorite Sloan song of all time is, um, is uh, same old flame uh, by Patrick. And, mm. and it is like, uh, it's, I, 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 I'm not trying to be like, you know, esoteric, super cool. Like, you know, I, um, but uh, there's just, did you buy the, did, did you buy the seven inch at that 95 show by chance? Um, out of curiosity. <laughs> I might have yet at the, um, the edge fest that turned into a murder fest. Is that the one? Were you there? Oh yeah. 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 Like that was, I I came to, uh, to Toronto. I was, I was still living in Thunder Bay and, uh, I was, I was so mad because, um, uh, we got there late and we could hear the super friends playing. We had just gotten into that first super friends record. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's so it's possible that I bought it there. I don't really remember. Um, but I just remember, uh, just really like that. So that first super friends, uh, the the seven inch is amazing, and then the record is great after that. But I, I in terms of and some like it was it was just that that era, I guess. Of uh, I don't know if it comes out in ninety five. I guess Ed, that that Edge Fest was uh, ninety five, right? Um, yeah. So uh, that would make sense. Um, but I I love like I like stood up. I like uh, Chris's song on that. But um, there's something about that um, that Patrick song that I love, and it what it mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, I think I was listening to. Um, I, I, <laughs> I'm not at home, so I can bust out my, my record player, but, um, the, uh, the, I was listening to, they, they put out that, uh, B-Sides record. And so I was listening to the, a, a slightly different version of it. Um, if I want to totally nerd out, it was, it's still rad, but, um, yeah. but there's a quality to that song that it sounds like this is, uh, this is the, cause I know they recorded on a four track and there's, and, and it's like, uh, um, it's it's there's not a lot of uh production value and there's something about that song that it's like the best songs or the best song my friends could have written 
Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's like if I if all the guys I was hanging out with, uh, if if the stars aligned and, and they they got together and uh, you know wrote that song, I could believe that my friends wrote that song. Um, it seems there's something about it that seems attainable, um, but I I it is just so and so I think it it sounds young. It sounds like it, I remember who I was at the time when I was listening to it, uh, and so there's part of you know. For, for better or for worse, part of my love of, of that music is nostalgia. Um, and it, it takes me back to that particular time, right? Right on. It's, uh, it's a deceptively... My thing on Same Old Flame is it's like deceptive... The musicality is deceptively good. It sounds, because of the production value, sounds very simple. Mm. It's also a very accessible song just because lyrically it's also quite... You know, it's, it's an open book and it's very... Uh, sort of almost a narrative i think in many ways but uh if you just listen to the drumming on that too and how it how it's a little bit ahead of the beat mm-hmm. uh and how it it's driving and building momentum for the rest of the song to unfold yeah. and that coupled with the four tra- track quality is just exquisite yeah. like that's and that's something where you know you you kind of and to your point like it's attainable and it feels like it's kind of, it has that garage band quality quote unquote. Yeah. But if you think about it, that is also a, 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 that that's mastery that only a band of the caliber of Sloan can pull off because really it's kind of, you know, musically amazing as well. Um, just how it culminates in those harmonies at the end when, when Chris joins in yeah. and like that, uh, I know I'm, we're, go, we're going off on a little bit of a same old flame tangent here, but <laughs> I can bring it back around again, man. So the same old flame uh, like stood up recordings. They basically informed how they would record one chord. It was kind of done in the same manner as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I will say uh, the new record, October 2022, rumor has it that the drums were, were recorded on a four track similar to the way that they recorded it then. Oh, so, cool. Um, yeah, so sort of a stylistic choice there. And uh, yeah, something to certainly look forward to. I really. Ken, maybe you can hit us. With, yeah, I was going to just say to Ken quickly, maybe you can hit us with a bit of Same Old Flame before the outro today. Okay. Insert Same Old Flame here. <laughs> I really did, um, you know, one thing I, I wanted to say at some point was that, uh, that you know, I, I am a, a Sloan fan, but I'm I'm really like a, a Murder Records fan uh, overall. And I, I think, um, yeah, like I, yeah, and I think uh, just the, I, I think that's you know, I, I talked about the idea that uh, you know I love Sloan for uh, you know making you know nobody feel special, um, but I also love just the the kind of community that they created. Uh, I love that you know we you know we got to play with uh, all these great bands. Like we I, on the night of. Um, our, you know, my brother and I graduated, uh, at, um, you know, the same year, uh, we're not twins, but he, you right. know, he's smart. So he skipped ahead. Um, so, uh, uh Hey, there, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, uh, so we, we got to on the night, of, on the night we graduated, um, you know, we, we opened for a thrush hermit. 
uh, we like rolled in in our our gowns and our stupid caps and stuff, and like got up on stage and, and played. <laughs> um, I, like you know, we we played a bunch of shows with local rabbits, and and they uh, they stayed Jesus. at a place a couple times. Um, you know, it was just it was I, we uh, actually um, Rob Envy from. Um, uh, from Thresham, it does uh, it does one of the blurbs for my my book because he's an amazing author, uh, and and was yes, and even yes. and not that even not that long ago, um, you know, I was I was having trouble, uh, you know, trying to find a publisher for my uh, my new book, Who by Fire, who's coming out in 24, uh, 2024. Uh, is it gonna, I, I just wanted to sneak that plug in one more time, but um, the, you know, I uh, I was you know weird. I was trying to uh, find a publisher for that book and. Um, I uh, I sent him an email just asking how things are going with him, and he he emailed me back and was was really uh, kind and, and gave me some of his time, which was great. Um, you know, Ian McGettigan uh, recorded uh, my band Wild Horses uh, a few years back, and so just just how these sort of connections that we made uh, because of Sloan, because they sort of created this musical community, um, are things that keep popping up in my life and and sort of have not. You know, maybe some of the uh, the nostalgia fades away after a while, but um, there's still real connections that have and real things that have happened in my life because you know because I saw that you know that that chart magazine uh, you know poster in someone's locker, right? So it's it's kind of cool when so it cool. it back that way. It's and funny, like without without knowing all of the artists on former Murder Records personally, I, I feel as though just the the culture that the bands and you know. Chris and, and Jay, in, in particular, um, running a lot of the admin stuff for Murder Records, cultivated, um, kind of rubs off, I think, on the generosity uh, that that those bands, you know, picked up and and moved forward with during their careers. And I think it's a little bit of a maybe an unofficial no dickhead policy on the label. Like, you know, those are just cool guys and like and 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 gals, right? But uh, it's just a, it's a label full of genuinely likable bands and genuinely likable dudes, which is in many ways I think symptomatic of that Canadian indie rock experience. Uh, but certainly, certainly symptomatic of the Sloan experience. Yeah, right? yeah. It really, I, I think, uh, I, I think it really uh, motivated us to to try to. I don't know. We were never in any kind of great position of power, but we always. You know, as you, when you play in bands, you uh, you know sometimes you find some success here and there, and we always just wanted to pull people up with us, right? That was we were all you know it, Thunder Bay, uh, you know, had a, an interesting scene. It was it was fluid, and there wasn't a lot of people who were playing the exact same kind of music that we were. But um, you know, we tried to find right. people um, who were uh, maybe weren't doing the same thing that we were doing, but at least were were like minded. Um, and I, I love that, like you know, even even Murder Records, they weren't going to just you know, they weren't just going to have, uh, you know, the, they had Thresh Hermit, which uh, was was kind of this like, uh, you know, this arena rock band. Like, uh, you know, they had uh, local rabbits who are these monster musician guys who would do like blues stuff. Um, you know, they like uh, they, they'd have hip hop on it. They'd have Al Tuck, who is, you know, this established folk singer, um, you know, all this just to, like it, you didn't have to sound exactly like Sloan to be a part of that scene. And I really like that. And we would try to do that uh, and try to, to work with bands and, and, you know, maintain that that no dickhead policy, which I think is, is a pretty good one. Yes. 
It sounds like you guys could have been a band on Murder Records. I think a lot of people kind of dream that their band would have been on that label or something. I, like you find a kinship with those other artists. I, I think the truth is, is that our, you know, Faces on Sun was was probably too much of a bad imitation of of those bands. Uh, like we probably did. Like we probably, you know, sounded too much like like that stuff. We had, you know, we were interested in different things. But um, when so my brother and I, uh, you know, after Faces on Sun. Uh, folded up. We we played in a band called the Parkas for uh, for years, and the Parkas were. Oh, dude, um, do you know? Do you know Stu? Yeah, Stu Haydock. Stu Haydock. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Stu Haydock. He was so in the I Parkas. Got, I, I got a question for yeah. you. Did you play the Horseshoe in two thousand five with a band called Shaker? Um, I don't. And a band called Lights On. I don't think so. I don't. Oh, I because okay. we, we, I got a poster. I got a poster of my band Shaker. Parkas and lights on playing. Oh, at the shoe in 2005. it's got to be us then. That's crazy. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. How do you know? How do you know Stu Haydock? From the Parkas, he he helped <laughs> me with my drums that day, and then we kind of stayed in touch. And then he was Shaker. in Golden Dogs and blah yeah. blah blah. So yeah, he's gonna be. Yeah, Shaker did went absolutely nowhere, but uh, yeah, Stu is is gonna be a guest someday for sure. Yeah, Stu's the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny that you were in the Parkas. That's great, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so the Canadian <laughs> Canadians two degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah. continues. Yeah, we're one Kevin Bacon away here. That's yeah. really funny. Yeah, I'm trying. To, I I need to go back and uh, look at some you know some diary about whether or not I because we played a horseshoe a bunch of times. Um, but, yeah, it would have uh, been like a North by Northeast thing or something. Anyway, blah yeah. blah blah. Who cares? Yeah, but eh, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, Stu's the man. He's he's super funny and super talented and can do everything, right? I mean, he's he would come yes. in and, and uh, so Stu um, uh, Stu was in the band uh, for about a year. Uh, we the band was um, Parkas uh, was uh, myself and my brother, uh, my cousin Grady, uh, and our friend Mike Brown. Uh, and, but then there was some rotating membership, um, and uh, and uh, my my cousin uh, left the band. Uh, Stu filled in. I uh, came in uh, and, and replaced my cousin. Um, there's there's a long complicated story about the Parkers, which is uh, you know full of drama. Um, but it was for another it, episode. It all worked out in the end, kind of, I guess. But um, <laughs> but um, but yeah. Uh, but Stu's great, and he uh, is such a great musician. Like he he is. Uh, he, he would, because uh, he said he you know he can play guitar, he can sing. Uh, he sings on um, our our second uh, our second EP, uh, "The Scars to Prove It." Um, he does a lot of these really amazing, like close to the mic, whispery bits and stuff. He's just a really good singer. Um, but he would come in and he'd be like, "Ah, oh, like I like what you're doing on drums, but why don't you try it like this?" And I loved having another guy in the band who was good at drums. Like it was just, it was nice totally. to to feel like I could, like, you know, and I, I have no other talent. I can only play the drums. I'm like, I'm like that guy in the joke, you know, what do you call a guy who hangs out with three musicians, a drummer. Um, but uh, it was, <laughs> it was so nice to have uh, him come in and, and just sort of be a multi uh, talented musician. So yeah. Stu Hayda. I'll tell you if we were, I, I agree. And I've played with Stu before as well. And I'll tell you something for sure. We for sure crossed paths because we would have both been playing drums that day and would have probably one of us to to the other would have said, Hey, great show, you know, or like, yeah, can yeah. I borrow your hi hat stand or something like that? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, small world. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah totally. 
It's funny you mentioned earlier the the graduation cap, like rolling up and playing. It reminds me, uh, kind of crossing paths here. The inside of the first Local Rabbits album or EP, Super Duper, is them in their graduation caps with their guitars. Oh, like, that's amazing! Or whatever. Yeah, super cool. That's, oh, that's cool. I I made a note when I was thinking about that. And you mentioning Hermit means that I get to rev- uh, unveil my Thrush Hermit tribute song to the tune of the Ninja Turtles theme, uh, which I don't know when I'm gonna have a chance to, on the show again to mention it. So I was gonna quickly just run it past you guys if that's cool. Just real quick, uh, a part of it goes, Joel Plaskett plays leads, Rob Bemby sings songs about machines, Cliff Gibb is cool, not rude, Ian McGettigan is a party dude. Anyway, I'm going to keep working on that, um, but anyway, to get back to the uh, interview here. I feel like like it's it's very accurate. I feel like Ian McGettigan is a party dude. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the Benby line about singing songs about machines should be singing songs about buildings, but it doesn't sound as good. Yeah, machines are good. Anyway, yeah, uh, I haven't. You know, his second, uh, uh, his second novel, which I haven't read. I've read his first and his third, but his second one's called Maintenance. And, and it, on the, I don't know if you've seen it, but on the cover, there's a picture of the uh, the tread, like someone putting together a treadmill. Uh, oh right! There's like a, so maybe a, I'm a little more maybe I'm a little more keyed in than I thought I was. Yeah, it's you got it. Thank man. you You're for the information. This is helpful. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, hey, man, you know what? Just kind of wrapping up here, not to, to kind of tie a bow. We don't want to take up your time all day, but uh, I, when you mentioned Thunder Bay earlier, because this was a mystery to me, I didn't actually know where you were from because we were just kind of chatting online. But uh, I was in Thunder Bay a number of years ago on tour. I went to a place called Caesar's Place. Does that sound familiar? No. <laughs> but okay. Really? <laughs> no, uh, Caesar's Place. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not there anymore. It was there in 2015. I took a picture of a giant panzo, hashtag panzo of the gods. Oh. Uh, I recall it being the greatest thing of all time. Wait, so I was going to say, if I'm a, ever there again, we got to go. Sorry, it's a restaurant? It was like a tiny little hole in the wall, like a little house. Okay. In a tiny little room. And yeah. you had a panzerati there? Sure did. Yes. I, I got did. a picture. I'm sorry. I, I I cannot see it. But, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, no, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I have been. I have been. I, I'm sorry. I have been to Caesar's. I thought it was like a, you're talking about a, like a venue, like a, a bar. Uh, oh, I, no. The restaurant Caesar's Place. I'm sorry. I, I believe I've been there once. Um, and I, I don't know okay. if it's still there. Uh, but it would have been in, uh, it would have been in, I think, 1999. Um Wow, and, okay. and I, I went there with uh, my girlfriend at the time. She took me there uh, to celebrate uh, graduating from university when we get we had Panzerati. Dang. And maybe some fancy wine because we could. You, you were able to then. Yeah. That's cool, man. And you know what? I'll, I'll bring this full circle. When I was there, Sloan was playing on the radio. All right. All right. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> cool man well hey man this was awesome just kind of getting to know you and uh, hearing about your book and hearing about future projects and stuff and just for the people listening uh, to kind of just get them bring them up to speed just uh, please remind everybody where they can read you I know I've seen online as well that you're writing articles kind of all over the place so where can people read you and check you out for sure um, you uh, so uh, New West Press is uh, where you can find to me you seem giant uh, or you know from your favorite local cool little bookstore Um Nice. Probably one of the big ones too, but you know, go to the little ones first. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to. Uh, I've been writing a lot of short stories lately, so uh, I, and they're sort of all over uh, print and uh, the internet. Uh, it's you know, it's what I, I was. I was trying to keep myself sane as I was trying to sell my detective novel. Um, so there's lots of short stories out. If you want to uh, check out where they are, probably uh, the best place to go is uh, GregRhino.com. That's Rhino with a Y, like the animal, but with a Y. Um, yeah, nice. that's probably the best place. 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Look for the spelling where you're listening to this episode, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ken, Ken <laughs> did you want to add anything uh, at the end here, my friend? No, I'm, I'm, I just added, I'm, I'm in the process of purchasing the book and I'm looking forward to digging into nice. it. And Thanks so know, much. thank you for, no, man, uh, th- thank you for, for sharing your story. And uh, once I'm finished, finished editing this episode by 2024, then your, your news will be off. Perfect. I timed it that way. I did that on purpose. Well, Greg, keep in touch, buddy. It's been a pleasure meeting you and finding you. And uh, this has been such an awesome chat and I uh, hope you had a good time and hope the listener did as well. Man. Uh, this is great. It was, it was awesome to nerd out with you guys and it's, uh, it was really fun to talk about all this. All right, stuff. Greg. Well, thank you. Uh, and uh, thank you for waiting for so long for us to get your episode uh, out the door. And I feel as though it's a great way to close off this 2022 of Sloancast. As I mentioned off the bat, we have a few things lined up for you in 2023. There's a few interesting anniversaries coming up in 2023. I think one of the most obvious is the 20th anniversary of Action Pact. It's the 25th anniversary of Navy Blues. And uh, those are two topics that, among others, we want to be touching on in the new year for you. Uh, we have some interviews lined up. I'm not sure, Rob, what are you excited about for the Sloan 2023 season? Yeah, it's no secret that we're coming into the Action Pact uh, anniversary, obviously, and I'm excited about that. So we do have some things on the back burner in that regard. And uh, yeah, definitely, like like we've said, a couple albums that we haven't touched on yet. I don't want to jump the gun on anything in case something takes a little while to come out or whatever, but running down the list of potential guests coming up, I think we're going to have a lot of great stuff. And uh, oh, we do want to wish congratulations to our resident artist, Josh Parrott, who does, who does all of the animation you see online for us. Uh, he just became a dad as of about a week or so ago. Oh, fantastic. Um, so yeah, little baby Charlie. Congrats to Josh and Jess and uh, all of our love to them and uh, yeah welcome to the club buddy (laughs) but uh, yeah that's great man Uh, anything else we want to touch on before we sign off no just thank you for listening thanks again to Greg Rhino for being a great guest on on the podcast and guys don't forget to check out his book on US Press and we'll see you on the flip side absolutely because this podcast was dedicated to you because this show is for people who know who know what rock and roll is about we'll catch you right here next time on slow cast bye bye